Enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Podcast, your one stop for all things geek. All things geek. Welcome to the Temple of Geek Podcast. I'm Daniel, and on this week's episode, I have Kevin Gallagher from the show Everything is Awesome. We'll talk a little bit about a show, and then we're probably going to start talking a little bit about fandom afterwards. So, without further ado, let me go ahead and introduce you to this week's guest. Kevin, how's it going, sir? Oh, great. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, been a while since I've had to do zero prep as a podcaster. <laughs> uh, that's my life. Zero prep all the time. Um, <laughs> actually been trying to get a little bit better at it. So we just recently changed the format of the show. So we've been actually been forcing me to send out notes to our guests and everything. So yeah, I got the email and I was like, Oh man, he like, he's professional. Cause that's a step above what I do. <laughs> well, Kevin, if you can, do you go by Kevin or Kev? I don't want to insult you throughout the whole episode. Either uh, Kev is is what I call myself, but most people call me Kevin. So whatever. All right. Well, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, just tell me a little bit about what you do. Yeah. Well, um, uh, my day life is uh, boring uh, in a government job, but I you know, I'm a dad that got two kids, a six year old and a four year old, uh, and I've been actually podcasting for uh, about eleven years. Wow. Uh, yeah, a long time, real long time. Um, and, uh, I took a bunch of time off to, to be a dad, uh, when the kids were real young and, um, he actually, my son, my six year old actually got me back into it a couple of years ago. And that's, you know, uh, that's how I started. Everything is awesome basically. And, um, I like to to do the podcasting. I run a network, a podcast. I do love reading comic books. We're we're doing a bunch of comic reviews as well. Uh, I I am I like to kind of phrase myself. I think the best way to do it is like a third rate Kevin Smith and a uh, like a less monstrous version of Chris Hardwick. Like I'm kind of somewhere in that zone. That's uh, awesome. So, well, you mentioned everything is awesome. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that podcast? What is this show all about? So it is like the most general thing I think you can make a show. Uh, and that's just me sitting around having a brand new conversation with someone every week or, or so. Um, the tagline is talking uh, about awesome things with awesome people. So I, I can literally talk to anybody, uh, even if they're not that uh, generally interesting. I can find a way to make them interesting. That's funny. So – how did you come up with the name? Everything is awesome. Were you just sitting around one day and you're like, this is the concept of my show. I have it. Uh, no. So the original show, I forget the exact title of the original show, but it was going to be strictly podcasting. So I was going to talk to other podcasters. I took a big cue from fat man on Batman, the original uh, version of that, where Kevin Smith just sat around talking to Batman people, writers, artists, and stuff like that. Uh, and I was going to talk to podcasters and, Back then, we'll say about th- that was probably three, four years ago when I first had this idea. Um, I was just had the the parent company, Crude Humor Studios, which is my production company for everything, and it was going to be Crude Humor Studios presents. And I kind of talked myself out of it because I was like, "Wow, podcasting! There's like I know five people, and then no one will want to talk to me. So who who are my guests going to be?" So out of necessity, I thought. And five years ago, I'd say the podcast community wasn't as friendly as I find it now, at least. Mm -hmm. Um, 
out of necessity, I said, well, let me just talk to, to everybody, actors, writers, musicians. And, and when I finally started the show, I was like, well, I need a name. And I, and, and the funny thing is the little bit of research I did was enough to realize that, uh, there was no podcast called everything is awesome. And I was like, well, I like that name from the Lego movie song and whatnot. Of course. Uh, I think, I think my, sh- I think I started recording episodes and, and finalized the name about a year and a half after the movie came out. So, uh, the, the, the smartness of that, that marketing, uh, is that when you Google everything is awesome, my show doesn't show up <laughs> at all. <laughs> uh, it's, it's the movie of course. And the, and the music video. Um, but the fun thing that happened February 1st, when we started, airing the shows is I discovered that there was another podcast called everything is awesome with K uh, with uh, Jeff and KC. Uh, and I, we actually just had them on our show and, and it's like a fun, we, we've never really hated each other. It's, it, we've just kind of for like two years ignored each other. And finally one of us said, let's just be guests on each other's show. And, uh, and we finally made that happen. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of the, the origin story of everything is awesome. As must, quick as I can make it. That must have been a little awkward. You know, this is the other Everything is Awesome podcast. And today we're having guests from Everything is Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was um, <laughs> I, I, it was more fun than anything. And, and it was uh, the to show how well at prepping I am. I, I started the recording and we just kind of went into it without preparing how we were doing the crossover. Like I was not under the impression that we were recording like a massive show to like edit the way we want to to air it for our feeds i thought we were going to do kind of like what we're doing where we're going to do one after the other uh-huh. uh <laughs> so halfway through what is my show they they intro their show uh to which i straight up said well it's the best thing about this is that i can lift your intro and put it as my intro because it's the same show <laughs> that's funny so um it, it wasn't as, as the more awkward thing was the the months leading up to me finally um, approaching them, because and I found out during our interview that the same thing has happened to them in the past. But uh, New Year's Day or a week, maybe a week after New Year's Day, I got a tagged in a Twitter post from um, I believe it's Forgotten Radio Podcast or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, thanking me for for being on their show. And I was like, oh, man, I must have got super drunk on New Year's because I don't remember doing that. <laughs> And then there was like another funny quip back and forth, and, and that was that. And I was like, all right, I don't know what this was about, but I, I didn't do their show, but whatever. And then it didn't click until the next time they tagged me a couple months later saying that I was part of their show again. I was like, guys, I DM'd. I was like, guys, I think you mean the other Everything is Awesome podcast. Like, it wasn't me. I swear to you. Uh, and and that's kind of what got the ball rolling is is that misconception of who I was. Um, and that's how we got on each other's shows. Well, now I need to ask who was first, you or them? Uh, so I, I fully admitted that they were first. Oh, I was going to say, um, cause now you can say you're the original. Everything is awesome. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I, I kind of like, uh, out of necessity on Twitter, uh, got that kind of tag. Cause I am a real awesome pod on Twitter, whereas they are EIA podcast because there is another podcast that no longer has shows called awesome podcast. That has the awesome podcast Twitter handle. That sucks. Yeah. So, but I have the real awesome pod one, which I think gives me some legitimateness to it. Um, but 
Yeah, it's funny how it works out. They started posting first, but because they've migrated to like a, a monthly show, I have more episode counts. Correct. So it depends on how you look at it. But I just love that we came together, had that crossover podcast, and had, like everything was a similar vibe uh, with the show. Like we do similar shows, we have similar mentalities. Like we preach positivity and stuff. So it ended up like blossoming into what I hope to be a, a long collaboration friendship. That's awesome. We we used to call this show uh, when we relaunched back in 2015. We used to call this the Toddcast. Um, okay, and then we ran with Toddcast for about a hundred episodes until I stumbled across on. Um, iTunes one day I saw that there was three other Toddcasts now all of them you know started after me but I was like I don't want to have four freaking podcast channels and everybody get confused on what the Toddcast is so we changed our name back to the Temple of Geek podcast so um, I never met any of those people one of them was like a photography group <laughs> so well it doesn't fit with our you know our motive but I just yeah, yeah. I was like whatever we'll just go ahead and go back to the Temple of Geek podcast so that's pretty funny though I, I like your story about that <laughs> so, yeah it's and the to, to touch on the, like the the research you do like i say i do more now when i first started the show i did i think the most simple thing of looking on itunes mm-hmm. uh and and i they had to be on itunes i don't know how i didn't see them um but that's all i did and now like I'll, if i if i'm developing a new show i'll like go on twitter and face it's it's amazing what you have to do to make sure you have something original that you're developing yeah that's what we did with our second show retro rebel we retro rebel got i can't even talk tonight mm-hmm. uh, we we made sure we we searched on itunes we searched on google play we went online we made sure no one else had that name and then for a while, everybody was like, what is Retro Rebel? I was like, well, it's our Gamecast. So, you know, we had to start explaining that it's actually a game <laughs> podcast. But it works out in the end. Yeah, yeah. So you've already said uh, that you've been recording for about two years. You started in February, you said? February of 2016. So two and a half years. Okay. What has been your favorite episode so far that you've recorded? This is interesting because uh, I don't – this is, I think, the first time I've, as a guest, I've even like been prepared to to answer questions, and I love that you, there's a distinct difference between favorite episode and guest because I I used to name my episode with my favorite guest as as my favorite episode, mm-hmm. but they are they don't have to be inclu- uh, exclusive or inclusive like they can be two separate things, and it is still hard to to pinpoint. I've been thinking all day about my favorite episode, and I th- I think it comes down to more of like uh, my favorite types of episodes I've done. And, and that's when I do something outside the box of everything is awesome. So normal show is me sitting around for an hour talking to somebody and they're all fun. I enjoy every single conversation, but when I go outside the box, um, our live episodes, I've only had one experience that I didn't like. Um, and we, we do more of like a late night show format. Mm -hmm. So they're really fun. But even if I kind of drill down more when we, when we go, um, and do uh, live shows where we're playing a game, uh, playing a role-playing game. So for episode 100, I'll use this as an example, and it will be my official answer, I guess. Episode 100, I brought in a friend who developed a um, really quick one-shot uh, role-playing game. Uh, Jeff Stormer, he's the host of the Party One uh, podcast, 
I recommend it if you're into actual plays. But he developed this game, and it was me, him, a friend, and two or three uh, comedians doing a live show at a comic book store playing his game and just all goofing off. And, and it was one of the best turnouts I've had for a live show, so obviously that helped my ego. Um, but I had all these funny people next to me, and we just – everyone in the room, the the panelists and players – the, the audience, the, the workers all had a great – you could tell everyone just was laughing and having a good time. Um, so that's probably my favorite episode we've done. That's awesome. I – you know, I try to think back. I had a lot of favorite episodes that we've done as well. Um, but it's – you know, I'm kind of like you. I, I don't know if I can actually pick one favorite episode. Yeah. So <laughs> I hope you don't ask me that question on <laughs> – well, now I'm going to. Now I'm jotting that down, <laughs> highlighting it. So on the flip side of that, what's maybe the weirdest thing to happen while you recorded a podcast? See, and that's also uh, a good question and makes me think because it's 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 hard to, to say. Like with everything is awesome and I think that going into everything is awesome, my mindset flipped from the guy – 11 years ago who wanted to do a podcast and uh, get rich off of it <laughs> to to a guy who realizes that that doesn't happen and doing it for myself. I mean, I have I, I, my audience too, but at the end of the day, like, hey, audience, like, I need to be happy too. And, and I, I'm the number one guy I think about. So it's, I haven't had like a truly bad experience or weird experience necessarily, at least with, with everything is awesome. I, I, I think the weirdest thing to happen is um, doing a uh, – it's so hard because even this didn't bother me. But I guess was the, we've done one live show where we literally had uh, zero people in the audience. Uh, <laughs> they, they all we, – we screened a movie. Uh, we screened Army of Darkness and people showed up for that and then everyone bolted because they didn't really care about what we had to say. Um, so that's like the weirdest thing. But we even – we just made the best of that. Uh, and, and so I, it was weird, but like not a downer, if that makes sense. So y'all sat on stage and still recorded the episode and acted like it was just, just normal thing, normal day. Well, yeah. So it was, um, the, the way that venue South street cinema, uh, great cinema, uh, or a great little theater in Philadelphia on South street, uh, that venue works where there's no real like stage or anything. So, uh, if you were to set up, um, a, a performance in front of, the the audience you're blocking the screen mm -hmm. so they actually have you off to the side kind of where like your dj sash sound guy would normally sit uh so like you didn't even really could you couldn't even tell that the audience wasn't there but yeah i mean we treated it as a um more just like a, it was just us recording a normal episode on location is all so we, we made the best of it. We, we weren't able to interact with the audience, but we still were able to talk about what we wanted to talk about. And um, we the, the uh, manager or owner of South Street Cinema hopped on eventually. So it was, it was still fun. It was That's still a awesome. good experience. Yeah. Out of all your guests that you've had on the show, and I see that you've had many, who would you say was probably the one guest that you were the most proud that you were like, holy crap, I got oh. this guest? Okay. So now, so so you wording it that way makes this a lot easier to answer than than what I read on the paper. Uh, I, I, this, I'm saying this with the caveat that 
every single guest that I've ever had on Everything is Awesome. I've enjoyed every conversation and, and each guest like I consider, you know, a, a friend of some sort. Like mm-hmm. I, I really do cherish every moment that I get and, and every minute that people donate to me. But the proudest moment uh, is easily Aaron McGathy from uh, from This Feels Terrible human conversation she's a comedian for you know she was married to dan Harmon for a hot minute um and, and well i guess for a year um and she's the she, wife or whatever that made him want to commit suicide or whatever where he starts drawing the things at the end of his show you know, oh i don't you're talking about dan Harmon about, from uh uh rick and morty right yeah 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 okay yeah, I think he was only married once, so I guess. <laughs> uh, but she she was uh, – if you've watched Community, uh, I believe in it was in the season six era. But when that um, dorky kid gets married, I believe, uh, to the redhead, that's his – that was Aaron McGathy. Okay. Uh, and – but she she was when I when I started everything is awesome. I, I mentioned earlier like Kevin Smith was kind of the guy who ins- inspired this iteration of my of my show where I'm sitting around talking to other podcasters and that broadened a little bit. But um, so when I started everything is awesome, I was like there was three people I kind of looked at as inspiration to to how I want to conduct my show. Um, Kevin Smith, Aisha Tyler, and Aaron McGathy was was another one, and. Uh, the fact that she, I got her on the show is definitely probably my proudest moment. And that was episode 20. So that was very early on in my uh, show career. Well, I'll definitely have to go back and listen to that episode. And that, and, and that episode, I also pointed out as one of my favorites, uh, you know, for the simple fact that I, that was one where, you know, um, I, I record differently than, than you record. Uh Um, but that was one where I did have to go through Skype. And when I go through Skype, I, I don't typically have um, a decent setup for that like I do when I record through Zencaster. So that was one where like I, I was in my studio and I had everything set up. And in order for me to record, I, I had to hit record like 10 minutes before she got on. So like there is 10 minutes of me doing like um, like that typical like – like weird dude thing when he's about to go on his first date and he's looking in the mirror and he's pumping himself up and, and I recorded 10 minutes of that and I cut out all the awkward silence and stuff unless there was like a good point for it. And I think it turned into like maybe a minute and a half of usable audio where, where I'm, I'm nervous. You hear the, you hear me being nervous. You hear that kind of like, wow, this guy doesn't know how to do a podcast kind of feel. Then it switches to the intro and then I get, and then I get on with with Aaron McGathy, and it's it's. I feel personally like I instantly flipped the switch, and I was, I was the Kev that you're probably listening to now, where I'm re- very talkative and and had a good, really good conversation with with someone that I I look up to and admire. I will definitely check out that episode because I want to hear this now. That's that sounds amazing. <laughs> it's and I highly recommend uh, any opportunity you get to to like record yourself in awkward situations. You got to do it because then you, you just get gold. <laughs> I have many hours of me talking to myself. So, <laughs> where do you see the show going in the next two to three years? That's um, I would love to say, uh, you know, being my full time gig. But in a realistic world, 
I mean, two to three years, knock on wood, I hope I'm still doing it. Uh, that, that would make it in the 11, uh, I guess at that point, 13 to 14 years, the longest running podcast I've ever hosted and produced. Um, honestly, I, I, there's, I don't know that there's much that I want to change. I, I would say that what I like to do is every year I like to find something with the show mm-hmm. and, and switch it up just a little bit so that it's still an interesting thing for me to do and so that it still it feels new for the audience. So, so my hope is that in, in two to three years that I'm still doing the show because that means it's still interesting to, at the very least, me. Um, and hopefully the audience too and hopefully the audience has grown. Um, and as I'm sitting here talking, I can think of more things that I wanted to do. Like we, we started doing panels and live shows at conventions and stuff. And I'd like to see that aspect of it grow. Like we, we can easily put on our own live shows in the city of Philadelphia um, and book our own venues and stuff like that. But getting into a convention is much, much harder. Like Wizard World, Keystone is a new one in Philly. Uh, new York Comic Con is something I haven't tried yet, but I might try for 2019. Um and I would love to be able to perform the show at, at those kind of conventions because, as I said at the beginning of your show, I, I'm kind of like a third-rate Kevin Smith. That's awesome. Um, if you ever wanted to come down to Texas, Comic Palooza does allow the podcasters to come in and record their shows at the convention and everything. You just oh, nice. Advance. So uh, that's in Houston. Um, Ming okay. Chen uh, from... Uh, comic book man he was there last year and he was jumping on different people's shows and promoting their shows and stuff while he was there so oh, that's cool that's so super neat something you might want to consider if you're willing to take a trip down to texas <laughs> uh, i don't i don't know if the uh philadelphia airport lets us travel down to texas uh maybe houston maybe they'll let us go down to houston <laughs> Is there anything coming down the pipeline that you're excited about maybe a special guest or anything that you're willing to share um, I have a few things, um, actually, uh, by the time I assume, uh, that this episode's airing, uh, we are going to be officially moved from the podcast network that we were on core temp arts, uh, great network, great network of shows. Appreciate the time that I had there. Uh, but we're going to be moving the show to my home network that I run the that's entertainment podcast network. Uh, and with that comes, uh, the official launch of our patreon uh where we're looking to do some pretty cool things just to um help uh the i want our network um to to be like a a place that's inclusive and offers like a unique uh voice to listeners and and you know it's hard maybe for some people to figure out how to start a podcast and especially you know in, in a world where uh, it kind of sucks right now uh, to 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 kind of look around and see what's happening. Um, to give people who who don't have a huge voice a platform to have a voice mm-hmm. is kind of where I, I want to take that's a uh, that's Entertainment Podcast Network, and I'm hoping that the Patreon will help you know move that direction. So so that's like the the two big things really that's happening. No, I don't I I, I could tell. I don't have any huge announcements for guests uh, coming up. Uh, I, I can't. I for, I have like six interviews recorded. I can't, and I forget who they all are just because uh, <laughs> it's so eleven. Yeah, there's just so many. I've, I got 139 names in my head right now. Uh, but it's it's yeah, it's a good time for everything is awesome. I think that's cool. It sounds awesome because <laughs> everything yeah. is awesome. Everything is awesome. <laughs> all right. Well, how can our audience find out more about you and your show? 
Uh, easiest uh, places to do that. Um, the show you can find on awesomepodcast.com. I did lock down that easy URL. Uh, and that's where you can find everything, you know, find all our catalog of episodes. Uh, and usually I try to keep up to date our live schedule on there. Um, any major announcements usually come through there or our social media, which is at Real Awesome Pod on both Facebook and Twitter. Uh, though I'm most active on my personal Twitter at that nerdy Kev, uh, where, uh, I'll talk to you literally about anything except hatred. (laughs) Awesome. Well, what I want to do now is, you know, you go by the handle that nerdy Kev. That's how I found you. We met each other on Twitter. Um, Mm -hmm. so what I kind of wanted to do is talk to you a little bit about fandoms. Okay. So the first thing I wanted to ask you is what fandoms do you consider to be your favorites? So, uh, I, the, the whole fandom thing, it's funny. I, 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 I live in this world where I, I used to say, I don't believe in fandom. <laughs> like they're like, cause, cause they tend to be toxic. And I know we're going to touch on that in a little bit, but like, it's, it's a weird, I felt like a young person term, mm-hmm. but then I realized like it's been around forever. Like star Wars and, and Buffy was probably like Buffy. I, I feel is like maybe like the first real, like defined fandom maybe mm-hmm. um but the fandoms that i enjoy and, and that uh, i consider myself th- to be part of is you know is is star wars marvel dc but with dc and this is probably where i i, I am the biggest uh kind of fan is is the tv universe specifically the berlanti verse Arrowverse, whatever you want to call it those cw shows the best part of dc right now yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and I and I, specifically the Flash and Supergirl, I think, are, are their strongest shows right now. Uh, they're definitely uh, safe. You know, season six of Arrow got super emotional at the end there, which was surprising. Arrow's usually not an emotional show, but um, the the Flash. I'm still catching up on Supergirl, but the the Flash is always like a if you if you need to cry, you you watch a couple episodes of the Flash, and I guarantee you'll cry. See my, my my bread and butter. You know, I used to love Arrow. Arrow got kind of weird though around season three. Yeah. Um, but ever since Legends of Tomorrow came out, man, I have been obsessed with that show because it's just it's it's funny as hell. I, I yeah. I, I just I laugh every episode I watch. I mean, even in the season finale, they turned into a damn giant doll and defeated this demon. Yep. So, yep. <laughs> I mean, they don't take uh, it seriously, and I, I love it. That and and it's funny because season one of Legends, it, I watched it and I was like, whew, I don't. I don't know. Like this is um this is an interesting show, and then, and, and I enjoyed it. But season two is, I think, where they really found what that show was meant to be, and Correct. it's literally just a goof off. Correct. They, uh, you know, a lot of these shows that are out now, they're like they they feel like they're burdened with their powers and all this other stuff. But them, they love being superheroes. They love doing what they do, and it just it makes it a, for a fun ride. So yeah, I, and I, I, I appreciate that show a lot. Yeah, and I. I, I I remember when season two ended that season finale where, where it opened up the door for what season three turned into. Mm-hmm. And I went watching that. Like, I think I, I believe at that point, like right before the season finale, I was like, I don't know. Like season two has been, it's been super fun, but I don't know if I like, what's the point. And then like, they opened up the point where like just the time collapsed on itself and there was dinosaurs walking around LA <laughs> and, and the future and the past was mixed with the present. And I was like, okay, like I, I wholly believe the second half of that, of season two is, is what cemented literally what the show was of all of season three and what I assume season four is going to be. Yes. 
I, I would agree with that statement. I mean, and I even loved, I, I, was it season three? When they all had their, like, they were no longer superheroes and they all had jobs. Uh, I believe that was the beginning of season three. And she, you know, Sarah had that dream where she snapped her manager's neck and stabbed yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, was yeah, dying. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's, the humor in that show is just, it, I'm like, this is what superheroes would do. I would believe if they had powers, they would just be a bunch of clowns. Yeah. <laughs> have fun with their powers. And I, to a degree, I believe what what they're doing on uh, the Flash and, and Supergirl um, is, I, 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 for lack of a better term, realistic. Uh, you know, I, 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 they are. Arrow is definitely has become the weakest of the Arrowverse shows, uh, which is I, I'm actually super proud of the fact that I heard Kevin Smith use the term Berlantiverse because mm. I swear to you I've coined that phrase. <laughs> Uh, I was the first I didn't see everyone was calling it Arrowverse and as soon as um, I don't know if it was Flash I want to say it was probably even when it was just Flash but definitely when Supergirl and Legends started I was like well we can't call it Arrowverse anymore because it's it's not just the Arrow and right. it, and it's not just stemming from Arrow anymore like this is the Berlantiverse uh, and and I heard Kevin Smith call it that on a recent I don't know what show of his but a recent podcast of his and i was like oh my god i say that <laughs> so what do you think about batwoman um coming to the show i am so so happy um for multiple reasons uh they've already alluded to the 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 batman world existing at least on supergirl's earth um I, if your audience doesn't watch these shows, it's going to get real nerdy here. I have a super passion for these shows, but they, I forget what episode it was, but they did. She mentioned something about my cousin working with a, a uh, someone wearing a mask. Correct. So, so Batman exists on uh, earth 48, I believe is Supergirl, If I remember correctly. Um, so obviously that means the whole Bat mythos exists. So I assume that's where Batwoman comes into play is from Supergirl's earth is, is where we're going to see her at. Uh, and I, I'm super excited because while we might not get a full fledged Batman, we're about to get a lot of Batman stories. Cause a lot like Supergirl, they, they've taken Superman stories and have adapted them for her. There's, if they can't play with, with Batfleck, they're going to play with, with Batwoman and they're going to use his stories with her. And now Greg Berlanti also is producing Titans. That's going to be on the DC universe app. So I don't know if that's going to tie into the universe. It, I guess it may, since it's his show he's producing. I they've been kind of quiet about that. Um, I haven't read I, I haven't read anything saying that it would or wouldn't be. The only thing I've read is that I believe Swamp Thing is not part of the same universe as Teen Titans and Doom Patrol. Teen Titans and Doom Patrol are part of the same universe, but are they part of the greater Berlantiverse? I don't know. And thus, DC starts getting a convoluted universe again. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I mean, it's always kind of worked in TV where, where it, they didn't need to, to work with each other. And where I would love to see an episode of w one of those CW shows where they open up the multiverse and that, that boy who plays young Bruce Wayne shows up. Like, that would blow my socks off because I, I firmly believe that everything should be tied together. And with the multiverse, you can tie everything together. Um but I, I feel like they're. I feel like even DC, at least in the TV world, is doing everything right when it comes to television. Like I don't. I don't watch Gotham, but 
but that's just because I don't have time to, and and it's the show I had to cut. Yeah, there's too many shows out right now. I mean, I yeah. s- I still watch Agents of Shield, so. And that that was one I cut, unfortunately, and I and I'm just gonna I'm gonna end up binging before season six. Is that that's the season they're going into six, Correct. right? So before season six starts, I'm gonna I'm gonna binge what I've missed, which is probably two and a half seasons, um, and and then watch the final season live because I I do believe in that show and I love why like initially it was truly part of the mcu mm-hmm. um i don't know I, I, from what i've read it feels like it's it's less so it has separated from the mcu but i think this season they talked about how they're going to start making references again back to the mcu especially after what happened in infinity war yeah i, I don't see I, I mean a show that had nick fury on it i don't see how you don't continue tying it and i understand like the logistics is is tough mm-hmm. and that's why i don't think dc is even touching that with a pole um but i think there's a way that makes it, that you can make it work it's just you, you need someone I, I think honestly you you need the tv side and the film side to work more closely together than than they do and they're like two separate divisions so that i don't think yeah. they'll ever come together whereas Warner yeah. brothers actually owns it all so yeah and they're but they're still not working together when it comes to that stuff uh which like the the biggest crime uh i think that we we have as as dc fans is that Zack snyder said the reason he didn't want to use grant gustin as the flash in the movie was because he was going for a different kind of barry allen mm-hmm but I don't know if you felt this way or if you even watched Justice League. Um, but in Justice League's, like, The Flash felt very much like Grant Gustin's Flash. Like, it was humorous. It wasn't, he wasn't a serious Flash. He was humorous, but he had, I don't want to say an autistic type of feel to him, but there was something that was made him feel like he was might have been special, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I, yeah, yeah. But, uh... Um, yeah, I, I agree. He was definitely a humorous Flash. He made a lot of jokes, and you know, like the race at the end with Superman. I mean, that's yeah. something you would expect from uh, Grant Gustin's Barry Allen on on and, the CW. And we got that at the uh, we kind of got that at the end of the season one crossover of Supergirl. We got them to uh, her, it was him and Supergirl, but we got them racing each other. Correct. Uh, so it, it's. Um, I don't know. I mean, Justice League has a lot of problems, and this is like a really, really, really small one. But I just I feel like the the Justice League that we got and the Flash that we got in that movie, I if you weren't gonna go off the beaten path and go the complete opposite direction than that you got with with Grant Gustin's, just go with Grant Gustin. Like Grant, and then you have that bridge. Like even if Grant Gustin was playing a a Barry Allen from a different universe that's on the cw show like it, it, you have that multiverse built into your mythos yeah i feel like they could have made it work and i at least would have enjoyed that movie better because it would have been bridged yeah it would have made sense and i mean that's what they do on the berlanti shows is you know they have doppelgangers from the different earths so yeah. it would have made sense if they would have done it in the movies but I, I think that was just a a safe answer that they used and th- you know there's probably a whole other reason why they weren't able to use the characters yeah, they need to put Berlanti in charge of everything when it comes to DC <laughs> film, TV. Like he can't do. It seems like he can't do anything wrong. He's like the the Kevin Feige, uh, however you pronounce his last name. He's he's their DC's. He's DC's guy. He's the one that can make everything I think happen. 
So listening to you talk, it sounds like you're very passionate. Yes. So why do you feel that fans might be so passionate about these properties these days? I mean, we were passionate back in our younger days with Star Wars and stuff, but nowadays it just seems like it's out there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I, – see, I don't know if it's because there's so much of it and, it, and it's it's – that's like the majority of our entertainment now kind of forms its own fandom because it has – its finger in, in nerdum really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you know, um, I don't know if it's that, um, you know, our, uh, and I don't, I want to say, I, I don't know where you are in the generational scheme of things, but like I grew up and I'm sure like you did in a, in a generation where you couldn't really talk openly about this stuff without getting shoved into a locker. Um, and now like, the kid, like the teenagers of today, like they, they can literally use a star Wars robot to ask a girl on a date. Uh, like they did in that commercial. Yeah, and what like, the that's... hell man, we didn't have that when we were kids. <laughs> so, so it's, it's, I think that like, there's a generation of people who, who are now kind of in charge of all this stuff. And because they're in charge of all this stuff, they were influenced by star Wars and by Marvel comics and DC comics and, uh, and star Trek and stuff like that. So all that influences every, uh, you can't watch, you can, I don't know if there's anything on TV you can really watch without eventually getting some sort of pop culture reference to, to Marvel or DC like, or star Wars. Like, you know, I mean, uh, the 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 Berlanti verse references Star Wars and Marvel. A lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, Once Upon a Time, the the show uh, that was on ABC, obviously was a fairy tale show that was built to reference all the fandom stuff. But it it, it referenced even if it was non verbally Star Wars and Thor and stuff like that. So. Um, I think that there's a big passion for it now because the people in charge of it grew up with it. And there's just so much of it. That's a fair answer. So with the fandom now, the fandom being so huge as it is, you know, when something good happens, there's always negativity that comes with it. And now we have the toxic fandom that's been hitting the airwaves and stuff. Why do you think that's making its presence known? I mean, why do you, why do you think it's becoming so big now? I think that has a lot to do with just the, the ease of communication. Um, you know, even as little as 10 years ago, uh, it wasn't easy for me to, to hop on line or, or, and, and shout my opinions or, um, find a, you know, find somewhere to troll people. You mean you really. didn't do that on MySpace? <laughs> no, no. Uh, I don't, I don't even really remember what I used MySpace for. Like it or, was, uh, what was the other one? Friendster? <laughs> I, Friendster. I, my first social media was, was. I mean, if you count AIM, AIM, but MySpace was like my first like by name social media, social media. Um, and, I, and I think that's what it is. I think, I mean, you got, I don't know, millions, like double digit millions of users using Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and stuff. And um, and, and I think specifically Twitter is is built for, for people to, to fire off their quick thoughts and without thinking at all. And, and I mean, I would say when I first joined Twitter, I think about, uh, I think like six, I think six years ago, I don't know, whenever I joined Twitter, I joined it. And, um, when I joined Twitter, like I was the guy that fired off 
a-hole comments all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm guilty of it, you know. Uh, when you know, I was a younger kid, and 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 I was, I just, I I was angry at the world. I guess I don't know. Um, so I understand, like maybe, and I also think when I did it, it wasn't people also didn't necessarily do it from a place of hatred like they are, especially the star Wars universe, man. Like I don't, I don't get the, the hatred. I can understand not liking a character, but, but to, to, to chase a character, like an actress off of their social media, because you don't like that character is insane to me. And, and I, but it's a long-winded way of saying. I, I think it's just the 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 fact that social media makes it so easy for you to quickly post something that you want to say, whether it's super negative or not, and then for you to just forget that you said it because it's it's over and done with. Yeah, I. I, I agree with that. I mean, social media is making a presence, especially for anonymous people. You don't know who's making these comments, mm-hmm. uh, so. These people just can blast off what they want. They could be called Big Dicks ninety nine or whatever. You don't know who the hell Big Dicks yeah. is, and yeah. <laughs> so um, sadly, I mean that's just the world we're living in today. It's just sad when you pull up um, Twitter and you're going through stuff and you're trying to read news, and then all of a sudden it's just negative comment after negative comment after negative comment. It just makes me put it down. I just get so frustrated yeah. reading some of these. And you know, you mentioned Star Wars. You know, one of the big things was they started attacking Kelly Marie Tran. Mm-hmm. If you don't like her, fine. But you don't have to be racist about it or whatever to scare her off social media. I mean, it's not her fault the script was written and she acted what she was told to act. I mean, she's an actress, you know, fine. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I get so frustrated. And, uh, you know, I'm glad I heard your point. I mean, it sounds like that's what everybody's idea is of this toxic fandom is that just social media is, is yeah. the root cause of it. Well, and I think there's, I mean, there's, I think, a little bit more to that. Um and it's it's weird like that fans have a sense of ownership over this material so uh and as a fan i i kind of understand and someone who attacked the prequels uh, maybe not to the to the level people attack things today but you know you grow up with something as a kid so you kind of have a sense of ownership to it but uh, i think something that i i try to do at least in my mid-30s is to to realize that like you know what? Star Wars isn't necessarily for me anymore. They've always been for kids. Like mm-hmm. they're kids' movies. They're 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 people in space with laser swords. So like that was never for an adult. It was always made for for like a ten year old. So that's why the prequels, like there's a generation of kids that that are now adults that love those movies and think that they are the greatest Star Wars movies. Correct. I think they're wrong. But that's because they weren't for me. Um, I happen to like the sequel trilogy thus far better than the prequel trilogy. And, you know, it's I don't I don't think anything will ever be as good as Empire. But there again, these movies, there's going to be a generation of kids like my kids will. They're in that that same generation I was where they're kind of young, too young to be like growing up and watching the films. So they're going to watch it. They're going to catch all these movies when they're, you know, in about four years when they're when they're, you know, six and ten years old. Um, and or when episodes the, 12, 13 and 14. Yeah. Come out or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and but they're going to be the generation of kids that get to watch the sequel trilogy on DVD and, and that's going to be like, and like, for instance, like my son, his, his Han Solo isn't Harrison Ford. His Han Solo is whatever his name is. I, I, Alden. Alden Einrich. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and like, 
I mean, we could probably, I could probably go an hour about Solo, <laughs> but, uh, like, not necessarily, like, I enjoyed the film, but he's not my Han Solo. There's a generation of kids who's going to grow up with that being their Han Solo. So I, I think that's the problem is that there's people in our generation and maybe the generation under us that have a sense of ownership where, where they really don't. Like, these these things aren't, they're all, they're comic books. These are all comic books. Comic books and on comic, film. <laughs> yeah, and and comic books at the end of the day are for kids. They're not for middle-aged men and women, and and um, so you just have to kind of get over it and and enjoy what is getting presented to you. You're you know that's at least my my two cents on it. No, that's that's actually a really good theory. I mean, you know, one thing I get frustrated with is, for example, the sequel trilogy's out now. Force Awakens came out, made tons of money. Everybody went and saw it fifteen times. Then you started hearing all the haters come out. They're like, God, this movie's too much like A New Hope. This movie's too much like the original trilogy. There was not an original thought in this film. It's, And then, you know, you started seeing videos pop up where it's scene by scene comparison to the original trilogy and all that stuff. We want something different. Well, then Last Jedi comes out. Something completely different. Blows everything away. Not a typical Star Wars movie. And everybody's like, what the hell? This has nothing to do with the original trilogy. It's not the same. <laughs> and I'm just like, guys, y'all can't have it this both ways. Or, you yeah. know, choose one. So, you know, I get frustrated when I hear that because it's like it's like Disney listened and gave you something different. But I don't know. Yeah. I, and I, I mean, I enjoyed both movies. Like and again, I, I think I, I'm trying to come from it. I, I'm coming from it from the perspective of like they're not necessarily for me anymore. And I guess, I mean, you would argue Force Awakens was for me because it is a lot like A New Hope. Correct. Um, but I don't think I don't I don't think it's faulted for that at all. Just like, I don't think last Jedi is faulted from, from being to me, it still feels like a star Wars movie. It's just not an exact copy of empire. And to that, to that, no, it kind of is like, it's still, it doesn't end on the happiest of notes. No, like empire it, it's. And I, and I want to say that I read somewhere like when empire first came out, it kind of, obviously it wasn't as loud because it was the eighties, but empire kind of had the same, like general vibe where people were like, oh, what was this? Yeah. <laughs> this wasn't Star Wars. And and here we are, you know, I mean, it, obviously even, you know, in, in the 90s it was considered the best, but here we are, what, 30 plus years later, you know, 25, I guess 30 years later, something like that. I don't know. I'm bad at math. Uh, but it's considered the best Star Wars movie we've ever gotten. Um, or at least, generally speaking, it is. Um so and I see Last Jedi being a movie like Empire, where in 10, 15 years, people are going to look at the Last Jedi and say how genius it is. Oh yeah, I'm 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 sure that's going to happen. Um, the movie I thought was an amazing movie. I have faults with it, but yes. they're so minor that you know it didn't ruin my experience of the movie. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Like my faults with it are purely um, most of it comes from the fact that we lost Carrie. Correct. Um, and and I, I feel like there's a way you could have and, – and I understand that, they, hey, we want to keep our vision. We have this vision. We're going to keep it. And I, res- and I respect that more than them changing it because of my complaints. Hmm. Um, and, and I just – I feel like in short, I feel like there's like – you could have tweaked that movie to, to make it Carrie's send-off. Because obviously Seven was, was uh, Harrison Ford's send-off. This was Luke's send off, and nine was meant to be Carrie's send off. Well, it sounds like uh, they're still doing that because I don't know if you saw the casting list that came out today. She's listed I did. as a cast member. 
I, yes. Um, I, I don't know if you read more into it. She, uh, they're using unused footage from episode seven. So I don't know if it's going to be flashbacks or. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, and I think it's, um, I think it's super interesting and I think it's a, you know, it's fine. I talked to someone today and, and, and they're not sure how they feel about, uh, them doing that. Um, you know, and I get it. I get the argument of like, Hey, just kind of like do something off screen with her. And I get that, like that idea of like kind of honoring her in that way. But, um, I think that if you're going to include the character and, and not recast the character, uh, I think that this is the, and even recasting, I think that this is the best way to honor Carrie Fisher is to, if you have unused footage, use it. Cause it's still her, it's still her acting. Um, and I would even forgive in this instance saying, okay, we just need to tweak this ever so much to get it to fit our story. So let's get someone in here with all the dots and, and do a, a, a CGI change if you had to, 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 to make her move as a different way and to make her say a little something different. If you had to, I'd be okay with that. Cause if you're mostly using archive footage, but who cares? Yeah, they said that they weren't going to use a CGI puppet like they did in, um, what was that, Rogue One? Yeah. But, yeah. you know, altering the footage that they have with CG, I don't think is off the table. So. And and I, I, I like I said, I think it's super, I, I like this. I like it better than, than saying, well, let's still do the, the, the episode nine is the Princess Leia story. And then them <laughs> doing like what they did to, with Grand Moff uh, Tarkin in Rogue, Rogue One. Um, and just having someone play it with a whole CGI experience. Cause that as a star Wars, somehow the, the, the billion dollar franchise doesn't have the ability to do what Marvel does with de-aging and, and CGI and stuff like Marvel, I, get those cats in there. If you're going to CGI a character, because they can, they can make Michelle Pfeiffer look like she's 30 again. Uh, whereas, Tarkin, there, it was that uncanny valley thing going on with him. Yeah, Tarkin looked. He at, didn't. At first, the reflection looked okay, but when they yeah. panned out on him, he just looked. It looked like a puppet, is what it was. I guess. It, it was. It was weird. It was. It was that polar. Same feeling I get when I watch Polar Express. Like it's just like it's. I know it's not real, but it looks real, and and it's it's it creeped me out more than anything because it. It, but but like I said, if you look at Michelle Pfeiffer and and Michael Douglas and Ant Man and the Wasp when they de-age them, like it it looks perfectly normal. Kind of like what they did with Kurt Douglas and um, what not Kurt Douglas, uh, in Guardians was that Kurt Douglas? Oh uh, no, uh, uh, Kurt uh, Russell. Uh, yes, I'm like Kurt Douglas. That doesn't sound right. Yeah, <laughs> Kurt Russell. Yeah, I mean he looked amazing. I mean he looked like he did back when he filmed Overboard. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and I don't know if it's easier to do that because you have the real life person there. So like you just have to de-age them versus like replacing someone who's not your actor with the actor. So, so maybe it's easier in that respect, but I don't know. I feel like if, if Disney, if Marvel, which is part of Disney can, can make it look perfect in my opinion, uh, I'll, I'll, you know what? That's not, that's a lie. Robert Downey Jr. in Civil War when they de-aged him, that was a little uncanny valley. But since then, it's been great. Yeah, it's gotten a lot better since that episode. I mean, I, I remember what you're talking about. You're talking about when he was using the barf and he was back talking to his dad and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, um, 
episode nine should be interesting, and and, I, and I'm happy that they're they're going to find a way to I think properly send off Carrie, and it's. It, I think a lot of people prefer it to be off screen um, to, to, I guess, honor some sort of legacy. But I, th- I think, I mean, her family is on board for it. And I think she would be 100% on board for sending her off this way. That's awesome. I, I hope they do. I hope they do something proper for her. Um, the convention scene has gotten really big over the last five, six years. Uh, I started going to the conventions in 2010 and they just seem to have blown up since then. How do you think fandom has affected that? And do you think the conventions are capitalizing off of the fandom? They're well, they're absolutely capitalizing off the fandom. Uh, the, the attendance records for them, I think across the board on cons are you much higher than they were eight years ago. Um, you know, before the MCU started, um, I, I don't know that fandoms have actually, you know, um, I don't know if, that they're the reason that there's more people there. I think that I think that the the properties are the reason that there's more people going. And and you're moving a lot of these conventions are moving away from like simply comic book related things and and including a broader scope of uh, movies and film, which are you know have comic book um, roots. But like comic like San Diego Comic Con had the Good Place, I think was there this year uh, the ted danson show that i've never watched and, and it's actually pretty funny but like does that that does it doesn't have comic book roots <laughs> no not at all yeah yeah like big bang theory i know has been to comic con like you have these other shows and, and properties and films and stuff that come to comic con to to take advantage of of that fandoms that are there and because i think fandoms overlap so much now that they they that those panels and those shows do reap success from that um what i find really uh satisfying when it comes to conventions uh and i'm as much as i'm getting into doing live shows at conventions i've gone to a couple when i was uh in 2010 probably or maybe 20 no probably like 2007 and 8 i went to a couple 2010 i went to one um, but I don't go very often because it's, they're not cheap. Even 10 years ago, they weren't cheap. Um, but the, the smaller independent conventions are, are feeling the success of the, the convention boom. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think is super important because those conventions care more about fans than San Diego does than New York comic con does. Um, and that's, I think, super important uh, for fans that actually care. And those are the ones I typically tend to enjoy a lot more is the smaller cons. Yeah, and, and, and those ones, um, I think personally, and maybe it's because, you know, as, as we're getting older, we want to see the people from our childhood more. But they tend to have the, like, like I went to the Great Philadelphia uh, Comic Con in Greater Oaks, PA uh, in April to do a panel there. And walking around, they had like mo- the all the Power Rangers from mm-hmm. from the Mighty Morphin era. They had bo- like a, a, was it Bulk and Skull were the the two bully- bullies. They were there. They're still doing. I, I think they still work in in Power Rangers world. That's uh, uh, but they had a lot of like actors from what I would consider my childhood. Um, like Kevin Sorbo was there from Hercules, mm-hmm. and 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 I'm. 
like he, there's no way he's at comic like San Diego Comic Con. He might be at New York Comic Con. New York Comic Con, I think, honors like old old shows like that too. But I don't think San Diego does. Um, but yeah, the smaller cons, even the ones sm- like the the Great Philadelphia Comic Con is is I would is probably on the cusp of being a big one. Um, there's other smaller ones that that you know that bring in the even smaller um, or lesser known people that are still really cool to meet and, and talk to. Yeah. We just had Kevin Sorbo and uh, flash Gordon. Uh, what's his name? Sam Jones. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can never remember her name, but the, um, his female companion and flash Gordon, they were all at the, okay. at the Austin convention just a couple months ago. So that was really cool to see those other actors again. Um, yeah. Lou Ferrigno is always a big one that shows up at these smaller conventions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, he. Sh- I think he shows up to the big ones too. He's a, he's a guy that can float between all those worlds. So yeah, it's it's pretty awesome seeing some of those guests. But some of the bigger ones, man, you know, and I, I don't want to name drop, but a particular one in Dallas is just about the money. They don't care. I mean, a couple years ago, I went to go see Mark Hamill, and that line was just you know they sold these special tickets that you had. Line was so massive, you only got to talk to him for like five seconds, and it was just yeah. I dropped five hundred dollars to talk to this guy. You know? Woo! So wow, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I will name names, and I'm not, I'm not and, and I'm, it's going to start out negative, and then go positive. Um, but Wizard World uh, in Philadelphia, at least, like, they, they they travel, so that, so I don't know how it is in other cities, but in Philadelphia, they they were the first con I went to, and it was I loved how it was set up, mm-hmm. um, and it was set up where to the only person you couldn't really get access to to my very first con was the cheerleader from Heroes, like they had her off separated from everyone else, but as I continued to go to that con, they started separating the celebrities more and more, mm-hmm. uh, to where like even to walk past a celebrity, you needed to have a special VIP ticket to get into that section. And I was like, well, that, that's like, what? I, that, I don't want that. Like, give me the opportunity to like, even just like see them. Like, I can't even, I can't see Patrick Stewart because you're, you're hiding him. Um, and then when I went to, in April, I went to, to the great Philadelphia comic con and it felt like the wizard world of, of yesteryear where I could literally like give a high five to every celebrity. Like not one, the only celebrity they had sectioned off was Val Kilmer. Uh, cause, and I, I he, I get it. He was literally the biggest celebrity there. Um, and uh, everyone else, you could just give a high five. But then I did happen. I did go back to Wizard World this year for the first time in a very long time uh, because we, we ran a panel uh, at Wizard World as well. And um, it was like the olden days. Like I, I was able to walk past the Arrowverse guys and yeah. I was able to walk past now I was there on a Friday. So a lot of people didn't show up yet, but I, I saw a bunch of celebrities, but just walking, I didn't go and say hi to anyone because like, I don't want to waste their time is, is my thing at the end of the day. Like they're probably charging you to go up there and sign something. So if, even if they don't have anyone at their table, like I don't want to go up there and say like, Hey man, I love the work you do. And like, that's, I'm not going to waste their time when I'm not handing them money. Um, so I didn't say hi to anybody, but I like just the ability to like, oh my God, I was within 10 feet of Stephen Amell is amazing. That's awesome. Um, I, I'm kind of the opposite. I would walk up to a table. <laughs> and I, 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 I wish I was that guy. I am so, um, I am so antisocial. You wouldn't know by me talking on any podcast because I <laughs> obviously talk a lot. Uh, but but when it comes to like real life situations, I get real social anxiety. Uh, and 
Um, I, I think there's a deeper meaning to me not wanting to go up and bother the celebrity. Uh, I think it's more than just me saying I want to respect their time. I think that's my excuse I'm, more than it is the reason. I mean, if I don't see anybody at their table and they're just sitting there twiddling their thumbs, I will walk up, shake their hand, and you know, just say, you know, you were awesome, and whatever movie, yeah. and walk away. I mean, I don't waste their time, but. <laughs> You know what was really cool, and and I think this is what more I don't know if, if who's in charge of it, the con or or the the people themselves or their handler, but um, when at the great Philadelphia Comic Con in, in Oaks, when walking around after a while, I noticed because um, Luke Cage was there, Mike Coulter, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm saying his last name right. Uh, eventually, I saw that his little dry erase board was set up to say "Walk Ups Welcome." And he was allowing people to like walk up and take a snapshot on like take a selfie on their cell phone really? free of charge. Yeah. And that is, I think what's cool. Like, I understand they're there to make money and whatnot, but like a guy like, and I'm sure like Luke Cage, he's not making like real Marvel money, but he's still making Netflix money. Like, so does he really need to charge a hundred dollars a head? Yeah. yeah. So, and and I don't think he needs to make that convention money necessarily. Like, obviously it's nice, but like the, the, I wish more celebrities at conventions and maybe they do. And I just don't go to enough conventions, but I wish they had, they were a little bit more like forthgoing with what they allow at their table. Like, Oh yeah, come on up and say hi. Like, I want to talk to you like that. Cause, cause there's, I'm, I guarantee there are a lot of people like me who are just like, I don't want to be a bother, uh, you know, and I'm not going to pay a hundred dollars cause either I can't afford it or like, I truly just, I, I love Stephen Amell. I think he, he puts himself out there as like a, like a person that I want to go have a beer with. Uh-huh. I still don't know that I want to spend $500 to talk to him. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I mean, I, 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 does he deserve to make that kind of money? Absolutely. He's, I mean, there is no Berlanti verse without that guy, but I don't know that I'm the guy to spend that kind of money. There's people that I think love him way more than I love him, uh, that deserve to spend that money. I won't show you my picture with him then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, I would say there, Kevin Smith is probably the guy that um, I would I would I, and I've gotten like I've been able to I've met Kevin outside of uh, uh, the punchline like he uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to meet Kevin Smith I kind of kind of I I don't I I haven't heard a negative experience oh oh nice okay I see that's my my uh, header picture on Twitter is me standing next to Kev but not in a official capacity like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I'll say, you know, he's talked about it on his shows. Um, and from personal experience, I don't know that there's like a nicer dude in Hollywood. Like I'm sure he's, he stood outside in the rain. It was raining after his show that he did in Philly. And, uh, his, I don't know if it was a night that he did two shows or not, but we were, we went to, if it was, we went to the last show and, he didn't stay afterwards. I don't know if it was like because it was the, the end of the night or if it was because um, it was just the setup of the comedy club. But I know sometimes like he stays to meet the guests, the, the fans afterwards. I was like, oh, that sucks. I didn't get a chance to see him. But as me and my fiance were leaving and driving away, I saw people out in the back alley and I was like, Phew, let's pull over and get out. Like, was he smoking? Because he usually jokes about smoking in the back alley after the shows. He, uh, if he was, it was, it was at, like, I got there afterwards. Okay. Um, but like my fiance said the same thing. She's like, you better pull over. Cause you'll like, when are you going to get this opportunity again? And I, I waited in the small line. People were talking and I, I was, again, I'm that guy. Like, I don't like being this guy going up, but this is a guy I'm not going to waste that opportunity on. And I was just real close. Like, Hey man, 
just nice to meet you. Thank you for, you know, all your, all your work and all your inspiration. Can I grab a picture with you? And, and, uh, my, my fiance stood in the rain, took the picture. And what's great is like the guy who is, I guess his handler was trying to get him in the car and but like he turned around to get in the car and I was like, well, that sucks because I hadn't gotten my picture yet. And he's like, wait a second. Did I get everybody? And I was like, oh, it was me and one other person that like didn't get a chance to just to get a picture. So like he stood in the rain at one o'clock in the morning uh, and made sure he talked to every single person that was outside. That's awesome. Uh, and whether he followed up with people that asked him to be on his podcast, I didn't like I, I was too, way too nervous uh, to ask him. But. I don't know if he followed up with those people. They gave him business cards. Uh, props to them. I hope he did. Um, but I, I know how busy the guy is. I wouldn't be surprised if it takes forever to get him on your show when you're trying to work that out. Uh, but he, he stood out there in the rain for, for a long time, longer than I would have. Um, and, and I think that that says a lot about Kevin Smith. Uh, and, and I wish – he was recognized more. And I guess, you know, technically he was with the Ink Plot Award recently at, at Comic-Con, but I, I wish he was recognized more than, than he is. And maybe he is, maybe he's happy with what, what he has, but he, he's got to be the nicest guy in Hollywood. He is one guy I definitely want to sit down and have a conversation with. You know, when I met him in Dallas a couple years ago, it was just for a photo opportunity because he had to run from that photo opportunity over to do his uh, podcast so I, I didn't have a chance to talk to him. It was just, hey, how's it going? You know, he gave us a bear hug. So <laughs> it, it was pretty nice. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's one of the good ones. Last question I want to ask you before we get off this topic is, are there any properties out there that you wish that could be would be turned into film? Is there anything that you're just into that you wish that they were turned into film? You know, like mine was Ender's Game. They finally made a movie of it. Although it wasn't the greatest, <laughs> there's still a film of the, the book that I loved. Yeah. Oh, that's, hmm. I, this, you know what? I probably should have prepped this question more. Uh, I, you know what? Okay. There is. And, and, and I, this might be kind of a cheat answer. You, you can let me know, but we, we actually, I, uh, a friend of, a friend of mine brought this up on, on our first panel and I reused, I stole his answer and I'm going to steal it again. Um, <laughs> uh, I 100% think that they're underutilizing Hawkeye in the MCU. Uh-huh. Um, and so, so while they, they have brought this character to life, I'd like to see them. And I personally think it should be a Netflix series. I would love to see the Netflix series Hawkeye, um, adapted from the, I still have to read it, but my, my buddy told me the, 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 the plot of this, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm on board for a Hawkeye, Matt Friction storyline brought to life where, well, not Friction, Fraction, um, where he ends up owning and being a landlord to an apartment building. Um, or, you know, like, and, and there's the dog pizza dog and they do a whole issue from the dog's pr- point of view. Like, I don't know. I think that a, that character of Hawkeye, um, is underused probably for the, the correct reasons in the film side of things. I think Jeremy Renner is a great actor um i i love like he was great in tag uh and i want to go back into his library of things and watch all his movies because he's just great um he i think that character would work well in a netflix i mean if you can get daredevil and punisher and and luke cage and all these other jessica jones all these characters to work in a netflix series 
I think you can make Hawkeye work in a Netflix series. And I would specifically, at least for season one, adapt that Matt Fraction storyline. I'll have to look up that Fraction storyline. Is that the one that was just called Hawkeye? I think so. And it's, I've been like, if you look on Amazon to get it, it's like, I, I think you can get a cheap version of it, but it is, I, it's not in any comic book store. I've looked in two or three comic book stores. I can't find it. Uh, I think it was like $50 on oh, Amazon, crap. but maybe like, you know how Amazon works. It fluctuates. Oh, yeah. So, but I don't think you can get it new. I think you have to buy it from like a, a, a reseller on Amazon and that's why the price is fluctuating. That's crazy. The, I, yeah. I've heard nothing but good things about it. Uh, Garrett Smith, who, who who is a co-host on I Like to Movie Movie, is the guy who recommended it to me. He's the one that originally gave that answer um, at, at Greater Oaks at Wizard World. I stole it and, and manipulated it as my own, and I'm doing that here on Temple of Geeks as well. <laughs> well, Kevin, I, that's all I have for you tonight. Um, I want to thank you very much for joining me. Would you like to plug yourself one more time, you and your show? Uh, yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you for having me on your show. Uh, and I apologize for dragging it out longer than you had uh, estimated. This was perfect, man. <laughs> I, I saw 30 minutes. I was like, oh my God, he doesn't know me at all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter personally at that nerdy Kev. That is where I'm the most active when it comes to social media. Uh, don't be a dick and, and, and we'll get along fine. Um, for my show, everything is awesome. You can find that on awesomepodcast.com, at RealAwesomePod on the important social medias, uh, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, and if you want to read my comic book reviews, you can read them on thatentertains.com. That's also where our podcast network is, thatentertains.com slash network specifically. Uh, and we have some great shows on there that, um, and we're hoping to expand in, in the next couple of months as well. Well, awesome, man. I, you know, I really appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate you getting a hold of me and wanting to do this. This is awesome. I like, I like chatting with people. So, you know, I appreciate you hitting me up and doing this. This is, this was awesome. Hey, and, and uh, real quick, I do also want to thank you for another thing is, uh, one of the reason we actually connected is, uh, one of your writers wrote about our panel at wizard world. Um, and oh, in, that in, was, uh, that was, uh, Oh, Maggie, Maggie. Thank you. I'm, yes. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll let her know that you pointed that out. Um, yeah, so, so thank you, uh, to, to her and to, and to you for, uh, writing about the panel and, and, and dropping a link to everything is awesome. Uh, that like, that is, I go bonkers over that stuff. It meant a lot. So thank you. All right. I will definitely let Maggie know that she'll, she'll be, she'll be tickled that you said that. (laughs) Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Temple of Geek podcast. I'd like to thank Kevin for joining me on this episode. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on Facebook and Twitter by using the handle Temple of Geek. Do you want to check out some of our other episodes or shows? Why don't you head over to templeofgeek.com? There you'll find all sorts of content that pertains to the world of geek. Thank you for joining us on this episode. I've been Daniel. I've been Kev. And we'll see you next time. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash templeofgeek. And remember to visit templeofgeek.com. Your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.